call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 85 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Danica Tiernan, watched the new film from Australian director George Miller, 3,000 Years of Longing. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations, booze. Hell yeah, live. Yeah, I'm still in Croatia. You're still in Barcelona, I imagine. Yes, I am still in Barcelona. I can't imagine ever being anywhere else. Yeah, you never change. Have you done an episode from somewhere else? I guess Madrid. I did one from Madrid. I don't think they worked out very well. I did an episode lying on a bed in Venice, like some sort of... I, I remember know. that. That was I awful, because I was, I was lying there just going like... <laughs> Yeah, I remember it looked kind of pathetic. It was pathetic. I had the energy of (laughs) like a... You looked pathetic in the video. Hedonistic young man. You had to stop over because Italy is shit with trains. Bring back fascism, that's what I say. The trains run on time. No, no, that wasn't then. I was just... It it wasn't... I mean, the trains are awful, but it was nothing to do with that. Did you get into it like... recorded episodes all over. Were you in kind of a death in Venice inner turmoil? That is correct. And I was doing uh, Don't Look Now, chasing around... Midgets. You know what Death in Venice is clear. about? I was chasing midgets. <laughs> They're making a film about midgets. <laughs> Wait, do, what do, do you, you say about Death in Venice? Go. Do you know what Death in Venice is about? No, I can't remember. Like, this is a classic work of literature. Is it right? like and a I, middle-aged guy? It's it's some um, is involved. I haven't read it, but like like and apparently it's based on it's based on a, such a true story, like that, like it's basically a thinly veiled version of the truth. It's so true that they were able to track down and acknowledge the boy who it's about with a Wikipedia page. So the story of it is, I haven't read the book, I've just read the Wikipedia page. Uh, the story of it is, the, this guy is in Venice, and then he just sees this, uh, like... <laughs> you told me about you, this before. <laughs> young boy, and he just fancies him so much that he follows him around the city. That's it. That's is the that story. how you ended up in Barcelona? This is it, yeah, I followed a young boy all the way here. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I just I just find that mad. Like, there's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Lolita is a pretty demented book, uh, but that isn't true. <laughs> like, <it's> not, <laughs> this is her true story. But how Vladimir is Nabokov is he like didn't kidnap a young girl as and far as we drive know. around America. Yeah, that's true. Thomas Mann openly lusted after a young boy and remained married to a lady for many years after. Uh, but uh, I think I think I think the clue was in his name. That's how we could have figured it out. Oh, it should have been Thomas Boyd. Yeah. Thomas Nambla. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Anyway, so um apart from uh, catching up on Wikipedia articles like me this week, have you been watching anything decent? I have. I'm going to talk about three exciting things that I watched. I believe Excellent. you've got two high quality things that you watched. Yes, Wait, maybe we should. I, I, maybe I we should start on something first. Uh, no, well, that's good. I'll, I'll, well, yeah, no, yeah. no. But I was going to say maybe we should start by talking about the things that we're watching that we're not going to talk about. <laughs> like, for example, I'm keeping up with Rick and Morty. Oh, and okay. Good. I'm just going to say that I'm watching Rick and Morty every week. It's solid. I'm keeping up with House of the Dragon, mm. and um, I uh, I prefer it to Game of Thrones. 
Um, I have my reasons, which I've brought up before. I'm, I have a massive attachment to the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books and nothing winging me in here. But I also think, in a mad way, this is... Well, not in a mad way. One of the criticisms that was leveled at Game of Thrones from day one, which I gathered they sorted out, was it was very leery. Like, they did porn ex- porn exposition, basically. Uh, yeah, I, I heard they've in- cut all the porno bits in this one. Well, there's one. There was a sex scene in the last uh, episode, and the only thing I can compare it to it was it was like feminist porno. Have you ever watched oh, feminist very porno? Is this more female gaze again? Kind of female gaze, yes, exactly. Um, and uh, it's all the better for it, in my opinion, because I remember the la- like I rewatched um, the first three seasons of Game of Thrones, like I don't know, a couple of years ago or something, and there is there's a scene in. Uh, series one where Littlefinger is monologuing while instructing two hookers on how to make out on a bed and there's just like he's just there explaining what's going on all over Westeros and then he'll say something like lick her ass and Mm. like yeah yeah so it's like it's utterly utterly shameless but um in this one, I don't know, it had a lot to do with the plot. It was, I I thought it was great. I'm, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying this show. Um, It's like it's obviously taken the giant stacks of money that the success of Game of Thrones granted it and I think it's using them well do you want to hear about something that's not using them well go ahead yeah okay so with my this is still something you're not talking about yeah go ahead no but I am talking about it fuck (laughs) it here it is because I'm because I because I'm I'm done with it that's the thing I'm finished I'm finished with my newfound superpower of not sticking into all the big franchises just because they're big and they'll be part of the zeitgeist because I've been able to quit Marvel. My latest thing is I watched the first two episodes of The Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings show, and I'm just not going to watch anymore. And here's what I have to say about it, right? I don't know how much you know about the show. Do you know anything It was made by Amazon, right? Amazon, yes. How did they they extend it out of the books? Well, this is Is it. Is it all new, made-up stories? a few paragraphs from the appendices and expanded from there, right? Um, now, here's the thing. So, how much do you know about it? Do you know anything at all? No, I hate Lord of the Rings. I have to put that up up front. Okay, well, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and a big Tolkien fan. And actually, one of the things that had me gnashing my teeth even more so at this than maybe I would have was... I listened to a two-part podcast recently about the life of J.R.R. Tolkien and what an interesting fellow he was. The rest is history. Shout out Tom Holland, not the guy who plays Spider-Man, the historian. Um, and um, I I thought, by the way, I very much recommend their podcast, The Rest is History. But uh, it just, it, it did click into me why, once again, why I love The Lord of the Rings. Uh, books even more so than the films, but I love the films too. They're just, perfect in the sort of mythology they're trying to express whether you like it or not they're perfectly complete tales and peter jackson made, like humanized them brought them down to earth because i mean tolkien himself madman that he was always pictured them as kind of a mythology of england so with the rings of power you're taking a few paragraphs of these appendices and expanding out an adventure onto it now before they even rolled the cameras right before they even wrote a script this was the most expensive show ever made ever and still is. Do you know why? No. Because the they rights, have to pay for the rights. Oh, God. Yes, the rights that they paid... Uh, for the a fucking paragraph. Estate. How many yeah. of the characters from the original Lord of the Rings appear? So far, two, but I have a feeling a third is uh, imminent. But as I said, I'm not going to watch anymore. Are there any it. actors carried over between the two? No, absolutely none. 
that would I guess that would make sense if it's twenty yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Is it set after Lord? Oh, of the Rings? thousands of years before. Oh, it's one that of was those. one. That, that was one of the things that. Um, because here's the thing, it was just so cynically made. Like um, they just bought the rights, and then the Tolkien's condition in selling them the rights was, you can't make anything that's set as a sequel to the books. So it, they had to be before, and they were like, yeah, okay, we'll, we can work with that. They just wanted to make their Lord of the Rings show, um, and they wanted to make their, uh, they wanted to put their or like a prestige television type thing. Or- yeah, the multiracial ladies in the lead stamp on things. Basically, I actually like that. I think that's better. <laughs> it's fine to be honest. Like it's you know it's the only the only odd thing that it raises is that there was a genocide at some point between this show <laughs> and the films. Like all the white all the white dwarves, hobbits, elves, and men genocided all the non-whites of those races together and then went their separate ways. So there was a big collaboration between the races to get rid of all the non-whites and then they got back to business, um, which is funny enough. But anyway, you're going back thousands of years and the basic hitch of the show is what what drives it is like everybody's like, Sauron is defeated and Galadriel is like, no, he's not. I'm pretty sure he's not. And uh, then that's kind of what's driving the plot. Um, and it is the most expensive, most well shot, most kind of beautiful to look at, just slice of emptiness I've ever seen. It reminded me of going to see uh, the police on their reunion tour. Mm. It's just like, just so, it's so about the money that, there, and there's nice things going on, but it's just like, man, I didn't care about any one of the characters. And there's oh, by the, it's so constructed of tropes as well. It's like the the widow, the widowed woman of the village with the wayward son who's gonna get clearly somehow seduced by dark forces. It, like she falls in love with the elf who the lo, the elf guard who the locals hate, and he's also black. Um, but she falls. It's just it's so constructed of tropes. If I was given enough time. Like and I don't know, I was properly able to roll the dice and make, like make my predictions right. I'm fairly sure I could predict three or four episodes into the future on this. It's just not interesting. It's not fun, um, and it's a shame. Uh, and I'm, but I'm glad that I've abandoned it. I am glad. That's an hour I get back every week to watch something decent. Well, I will never watch it. I, I don't. I'm, you listen, watch I, I, I'm not. In, I'm not interested in all this fantasy stuff of kings and queens because you know. What relevance does that have in the modern world? That's my question. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, uh, plenty of people I know were um, going, well, yeah, the Queen, well, fuck the Queen. And I, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, I mean... Oh, I wasn't pr- talking about that. I respected Her Majesty. Uh, good, good for you. Second, I'm a big fan of the crown. Um, I know. But uh, yeah, like all the people, you know, at that sort of nonsense, I was just kind of thinking to myself... Man, I mean, that would have been pretty cool in um, 1976. But it's just like, you're now you're just celebrating the death of an old lady who's like basically the last of her kind. She's like the she she's like Fidel Castro in that way. Fidel Castro was the last she guy ever who's going to do something like that. No, who's going to just take an army and take over a fucking island like by sailing over there on boats. What a lunatic. She's going to be like the last really globally adored monarch that's it it's done hey it's still early into the king's reign we don't know yet i'd be very, very surprised. charismatic he is very charismatic and um to be fair he's a bit of a player 
bit of a player. He's a bit of a player. Well, in no way connected to the death of uh, of the monarch. Mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, I watched. Uh, oh wait, I said the well, the one thing I'm not going to talk about. I just finished watching Slow Horses. I will just refer back to what you said previously. It is great. Everyone should watch Slow Horses, the Apple yeah, TV definitely. series. In the second season, it's on its way. Just listen to what Donica said about that. In fact, I'm actually going to back you up a hundred percent. Uh, on the next thing that I watched, which is something you've already talked about, which is Thor Love and Thunder, Taika Waititi's follow-up to Thor Ragnarok. It's the uh, fourth Thor the fourth Thor film and uh, Chris, Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth's ninth MCU appearance as a character. Jesus. How mad is that? That and is it mad. follows a somewhat lost Thor as he searches for love with his ex, Natalie Portman, who becomes Lady Thor. What's she called? The Mighty Thor or something? Mighty Boosh? Something like that? The, the Mighty Thor. Uh, it's going to uh-huh. be my last Marvel movie. That's it. I've you checked out. so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not this, this no, phase definitely is not. not. They'll get me good. back. I know they will. Go on. They'll get you back before the Kang the Conqueror stuff. But um, yeah, so Lady Thor, and they're being pursued by Christian Bale's Gore, the Gore, the God Butcher. I agree 100% with, with, with what you say. It's got weird tonal shifts. There's a real lack of respect for the material. I mean, it's not fucking Shakespeare. Okay, fair play. But mm. like, Taika Waititi is, is taking the piss in this in a way that's like, I want to deconstruct. Firstly, in the previous film, he's like, I'm going to deconstruct the entire thing. And mm. then in this next film, I'm going to even fuck with that further to the extent where like these weird tonal shifts, you're like the end of the, I find the ending of the film actually quite moving in spite of what had come before, because the, the awful voiceover from his Korg character. And I agree with what you said about the, the Korg character that he, that he voices. It has a, like a Jar Jar Binksian quality where, well, okay, that's not fair. I'd say it's no, more like the kind of bad. like, it's a sort of like. Pirates but of the Caribbean, Jack Sparrowization of something yes, where that's better. the yeah, character yeah. is is funny in the first film, very likable. But when yeah, you yeah. expand the he, role, you're off on like, yourself right, there, buddy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. hey, calm down, shut up for a bit. <laughs> Which is, down, I find it. <laughs> you do well it. in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was going for something like Paddington because he's got this kind of like whimsical he's he's doing the voiceover Maybe. is he doing it as Korg I guess he is yeah, doing yeah. it as he a character is, yeah. and he's going for like a sort of whimsical thing but it's just like oh come on I mean please don't please yeah. don't but I thought Bale was excellent and yes. uh, Russell Crowe as Zeus is fun I but. thought so too a lot of people hated that but I just thought that it, it, of all the characters Russell Crowe has played that reminded me most of his um, the way they did him in South Park yeah, uh, just, <laughs> just a big you, ridiculous fan movies. Man. Yeah, yeah, singing songs, right, and fighting, around songs the world. fighting around the world with uh, Tugger. Yeah, but it's almost like he's oh, got wait, disdain wait, 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 for wait, the wait, material. Wait, 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 Go on. Making movies, making songs, and fighting around the world. Nice. See Appreciate that time, everybody. Forgot I had that. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what happens to Tugger at the end of that episode? <laughs> he shits himself in the head. Yes, he kills himself. <laughs> the boat kills itself. <laughs> Oh, phenomenal yeah, stuff. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, the final sentence I wrote in my notes about this film was, I wonder if I've cured my need to watch all Marvel properties. And I know I have, because I'm never going to watch whatever she it's Hulk called. She-Hulk or Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel, because yeah, I'm a yeah. sexist. So I add that to the list. Yeah. Um, well, like, the thing is, as well, the thing that's fine about stopping now is actually, like, Avengers Endgame is the perfect way to end it. It's just yeah. perfect. They don't even have a post-credit sting in that movie. You could realistically say, 
that's the end of that. That's what you should say to your daughter. Yeah, I, I might. I might. You know, with Love and Thunder as well, here's the thing. If if they had had slightly less of the spoofiness, I actually think it would have been a much better movie. Like, I think it would have been good. Yeah, a fun, a fun superhero movie. If he just tweaked it a little bit, cut some of that annoying voiceover, mm. that would fix so many of the problems instantly. Like, because if you remember the first Thor movie, um, it wasn't great, but one of the big strengths of it was Thor himself was actually a very funny character on his yeah. own. Without any of the, without any of this faffing or taking the piss out of it or li- like little well, because he was the like he, in the jokes in the, and, in the first film he was like the uh, straight man. In, yeah, uh, he was the no the fish out of the water rather. Right. Yeah. Well, the the, the hyper straight man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I get he what was you mean. Hyper straight. Hyper. Yeah, man. He's the straightest guy in the world. Him and Jason Momoa might have. I mean, oof. We're in trouble if they're ever loosed on the land of ladies. Thank God. I they thought it was exist in two D form. I thought it was nice in the film that it's his actual daughter that ends up as as the kid that he's looking after. Spoilers for yes. Thor Love and Thunder, that's his own daughter. I thought Natalie Portman's character was really, really weird. The way and the way that they showed cancer. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that, is that what cancer's like? Come on, man. You just use, Plus as well, she's like, it, like Ugh, it, I need to do my chemo today. Uh. It almost uses it almost uses cancer as a MacGuffin, the film yeah. does. It almost <laughs> Says, uh, fucking cancer, something, yeah. cancer, yeah, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you got cancer. It's a bit <laughs> weird, that. It does not deal with cancer at all well. No, 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 not at all. It's like, <laughs> do you think, like, I don't know, people on chemo are watching it going, I felt really heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt seen when she sat down and just went, ugh, I guess I need to do my chemo, and then I'm away. <laughs> Bye. But also, as well, I mean, it was just like... The the romance between Thor and um, what's her stupid name again? The character Jane Foster. Yeah, the the romance between Thor and Jane Foster is, I think, kind of universally agreed as just one of the big misfires in the whole thing. It's just they didn't have chemistry. They don't have chemistry nah. in this. No, nah. I don't believe it. I don't care about it. Um, I cared much more about like uh, Peter Quill referring to Gamora. To be honest, that guy, like you know, theirs is a love story that works. And then they got rid of the fucking Guardians after, like, ten minutes. They're like, okay, we can maneuver them out. They've been yeah, used. yeah, yeah. Get their paycheck for, like, five, you know, how many days of shooting was that? And then they're away. Why is it that James Gunn's... I know why James Gunn works better. Because in, in James Gunn, the characters are funny. He's not making fun of the characters. That's the difference. That's the difference right. between... Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he may, he's like, same as something like... Slow Horses, for example, we were just talking about, it's like funniness exists within the world rather than you as a writer throwing jokes at it. Mm -hmm. If you can make that work, that's the dream, really. Funny characters. Yeah. Oh, uh, I do. uh, Well, before I move on to two very highbrow things, I would just like to uh, drop something in. I, for some reason, uh, because somebody recommended to me a a show called The Rehearsal, which I haven't watched yet, but... I was looking at the face on it on the the uh, when I googled it and I was like who's that and I realized it was something that I watched a few years ago that I literally would have to kind of turn off for it making me laugh so hard so I watched a couple episodes this week and I'm glad it's back in my life if anybody out there has never seen Nathan for you um, um it's a show that makes me laugh so hard I hurt um I can't quite explain how just straight a line that has to my funny bone. It's incredible. Um, 
I really, really recommend it to everybody. Without another word, I won't, won't say too, anything more about it. Just people should watch that show. It's I amazing. Mean, I've, I've watched quite a few episodes of Nathan for you. It's one of those things that I like the idea of it more than sitting down to watch it. I do find it's it's very sort of cringe comedy and him sort of interacting with uh with like a variety of real people and stooges and you know like actors. But the thing that I think elevates it above that is he is a character with depth. Like he really wants to connect with people. He's so lonely. <laughs> and that kind of, that kind of adds something to it that I don't know. It it kind of has a soul in a way an awful lot of those other awkward shows do not. That's all I could say about that I suppose. Um, Hit me with a highbrow. All right, man. So I watched Rashomon without further ado. Have you ever seen one of my one of my favorite superhero films? You like Rashomon, do you? Yeah, he's the guy who gives people rashes, I believe. Yes, he's the Rashi man. But seriously, have you ever seen Rashomon? No, I know what it's about. It's uh, a rape, is it? And then people telling their story yeah. uh, from multiple different stories. Basically, everyone has their own version. It's the it's the famous go to when. People talking yeah, yeah. talk about like you know showing the same uh, yeah, event yeah. from different perspectives. Well, yeah, it's like it's much Akira like Kurosawa. With, uh, right? Yeah, K- Kurosawa. I think it was his his first really big splash on the world stage. It won a bunch of awards internationally. Like it's like like Seven Samurai or the likes of Stray Dog um, that I can think of. Anyway, there's just cinematic tropes that he puts to use. Like what. I mean, here it's definitely for the first time and you can still see them being used in different iterations today, but it's the same, like The Last Jewel. Right. The Last Jewel is a, is a rational yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, I have to say, yeah, you just said it's about a, it's about a, a rape and a murder. Um, yeah, it's impressively nasty for its day. Mm. I saw this once years ago um, and I just, I wouldn't have been, I don't know, smart enough for it at the time I suppose but it is impressively nasty uh, I've got to watch some fucking pre-code films or something like that to be fair the other Kurosawa films I've watched are also quite nasty but this is like yeah so the story of it is uh, this bandit going through the woods um, comes upon a samurai and his wife and he falls in love with the wife rapes her and then ties the husband to a tree and the husband somehow gets murdered. And then the different people at the trial tell their version. The uh, the husband tells his version through a medium, which is spooky as fuck. It's re- like really, really well done, that scene. <laughs> um, and, uh, but then... <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like, like, I mean, there's certain things that shine in and shine through it amazingly. Like, he was a big fan of um, Shakespeare and Dostoevsky, and you can see both of those in there. This is like a big tale, and like the you know the 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 fate of man's very soul rests on what the outcome will be. Those are like is very very much a, a Dostoevsky st- story in that sense, and it's kind of it's staged like a play like Shakespeare, you know, because the thing is it cuts back. So it opens under in the pissing rain underneath these city gates and this monk and this peasant are going, Oh my God, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. What the hell? And then this guy's coming sheltering from the rain and he's like, what are you talking about? It's so fucked up. What the hell are you guys talking about? And then they start to tell the versions of the story they've heard. And then at the end we finish off and we find out that the peasant, yeah, the truth, yeah, he knew the truth. I, I just, I hope you're not about to spoil the film because I haven't seen it. Okay, I won't spoil it. Um, <laughs> I won't. But suffice to say, like, Kurosawa, if I'm to take it from this film alone, let's say, 
and a few others of his I've seen. I think Kurosawa has about as much regard for women as Ernest Hemingway. And I don't know how much Ernest Hemingway you've read, but I particularly recommend a, 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 a short story called The Short Happy Life of Francis McComber. And oh, by the way, it's part of a collection of stories called Men Without Women. Um, now, I really highly recommend it because Ernest Hemingway basically just saw women as just obstacles to guys having fun, I think. And I think Kurosawa might have had a bit of that as well, <laughs> to be honest. When it comes to the outcome of the story, you're like, whoa! <laughs> but it's okay. amazingly done. <laughs> you keep spoiling it without spoiling it. <laughs> it's, um, it's shot fantastically. Uh, it's it's under 90 minutes. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, it sounds good. I like it already. <laughs> if only I could get it dubbed, it'd be brilliant. There you go, there you go. Uh, yeah, I would really recommend checking that out. I think you'd really enjoy it, to be honest. Um, I do, yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, I, don't think, it. I don't think it's one that could be... You, you can tell where it's going, for real. I don't think well, you can I spoil can it, now. possibly. <laughs> And you've told me what happens. Fine, fuck yourself. Read the Wikipedia's. Okay, so the lady is is the liar. Got it. No, eh, you got okay, it wrong. Okay, all right, there. Yeah. Good, perfect, perfect. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, and it has. It's. Um, I I'm pretty sure that both in their odd ways, both Casablanca and The Searchers are aping the ending a little bit, which is mm. fun. Uh, yeah. Have you got anything more? I do. The next thing I watched uh, something equally highbrow, and that is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Oh right. Okay. How is this? Is this awesome, or is it snakes on a plane? Uh, somewhere between the two. I don't know if you remember, but I tried to watch this previously in Croatia. In Croatia, and yeah, yeah ran that's into right. Pro- ran into cinema problems and had to yeah, get yeah. The, the refund from were- the lady who was like, "Just one ticket, just you alone." <laughs> <laughs> So, Big lonely Andy. And that was that was my first fun experience with yeah, gracious, gracious cinema staff. But Would yeah, you ever just is, think of buying two? Just just save the Croatians the, the the feeling sorry for you. Yeah, what and bring like a fucking real doll with me or something. Yes. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or something like a, a bunch of I, like pillowcases stuffed with socks. I knew loads of ladies who loved that movie and I remember thinking this is a giant pile of garbage. Which one? Lars and the real girl. Oh God, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't appreciate that film at all. Mm. I would say I'd rather watch the unbearable weight of massive talent. This is the Nicolas Cage vehicle of all Nicolas Cage vehicles. Cage plays a heightened version of himself, if such a thing is even possible. Caught what up kind in a of situation? Okay, go on. Where the CIA are trying to take well, you'll like this part where the CIA are trying to take down a Spanish arms dealer who has kidnapped the daughter of the president of Catalonia. Oh, I do like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's like you get like that's real political pressure right there. You, you, the Catalan president, president's daughter, and of course the CIA, the CIA are trying to solve it (laughs) because half of those got their masters in Catalan identity identity studies. This this film definitely. That's good. (laughs) This film definitely not written by a European, I would say, because well, I mean it's it's set in Mallorca. It's filmed in Croatia. I guess for financial reasons, it looks very nice because it's Croatia, but it's a, it's all, I'd say at its best, uh, the meta Hollywood in jokes are very entertaining. Cage actually proves like just how good an actor he is in this film. He's a great actor. He is. He's, he's honestly like, he's, he's so good in this. The high like points any- are him like being a really good sport about himself. He gets the absolute piss ripped out of him. Like his career, his life, his whenever anybody, the choices uh, he's made. 
whenever anybody like like says, "Oh, God, Nicolas Cage is shit," you just know that they're not a movie fan. You just know instantly. There's no movie fan. People who say that they hate Nicolas Cage are just quoting memes, basically. But he, because he any- even he even references that thing that we talked about before of his acting style, like. Uh, oh really? Oh, yeah, that was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he like, he's like an old time, yeah, like, like a uh, shaman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> shamanic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He reference. He's like, well, with my shamanic acting style. <laughs> shamanic acting style. Yeah, yeah. But I most love of the Nick Cage. most of the film is just uh, Cage and uh, Pedro Pascal as the arms dealer playing really well off of each other. And then yeah, Sharon that strikes Horgan, me as something that would work well. Sharon Horgan too, I'm sure. Sharon sold. Horgan is Cage's ex-wife, and she's just kind of like brutally cutting through all the showbiz nonsense in like the most Irish way possible. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sharon Horgan. Um, all the stuff she's written and everything, uh, and uh, like as an actor, she's grand, like, you know, but I do think she's a really, really talented writer. And actually, she's got something coming out for Apple TV very soon that I'm going to check out. Yeah, big fan. Yeah. There's also got Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz who are weirdly misused as CIA agents. And that's probably the weakest area of the film. Yeah, because at its core, it's like a sort of action movie, but it's mm. obviously all just set up to get these kind of Nicolas Cage jokes. It's fun, but it's extremely lightweight. Overall, I'd say it's a bit of a missed opportunity because it never comes remotely close to like being John Malkovich or adaptation. But, you know, then again, Charlie Kaufman is a, a pretty high bar. To Do you know what by. is a level of meta with this kind of thing that worked for me? Have you ever seen the film JCVD? No. Is that a Jean-Claude Van Damme thing? Yes, it is. So Jean-Claude <laughs> Van Damme is in a hostage situation in a bank <laughs> and some of the hostages start to recognize him and like hope he'll help out <laughs> and it actually it has a good kind of a it sounds funny already it, it and it but it's interesting too because it's kind of like a psychological examination of what that would take this sounds quite farcical to be fair the nicolas it's cage one very 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 farcical um is it worth watching i would say no just because okay. The highlights don't really make up for the fact that it's like an hour 45 of like, yeah, we're CIA, blah, 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 bang, bang. Yeah, no, I got no time for ironic watching, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not enough to it. It is definitely, I'd say it probably is veering more towards snakes on a plane. Did it make um, money? Uh, It broke even. It cost 30 million and it made 29.1, but of course that's not taking into account marketing. marketing So it's a, well, I mean, I like that it bombed. It's funny that it's bombed because it's a stupid idea. <laughs> like, I don't know if they even consider that bombing. I wonder if they thought they were going to do amazingly well, like they'd be going to trade off of Nicolas Cage cachet of his fan base or something. Well, it, like, I mean, you know what? If it had, like you're saying, it's not great. If it was even slightly good, it would be destined for, I don't know, what at one stage would have been a DVD cult hit, but I'm sure yeah, it would have got, yeah. done very well on streaming if it was in any yeah. way good. I, I don't, I, it's nowhere near good enough for that. Okay. Well, I won't watch that, but I got another one that I highly recommend yeah. to you. Let's go hyper again. Seriously. I think you would really, really enjoy this film. So it's the first film by this director I've watched. I want to watch more of her. She's a real uh, indie critics darling, Joanna Hogg, and uh, her semi-autobiographical, no, it's actually almost completely autobiographical film, The Souvenir. Now, do you know anything about this film? I know it's got Tilda Swinton in it. I remember reading some Guardian interviews with this lady when she put out this first film. Mm. And is it like sort of Me Too-ish or something? No. 
Okay, no, the Guardian probably the found that spin in it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if it was <laughs> the Guardian, pro- no, no, it's much I more it was interesting her, like, than that. Calling out her experiences in the film industry or something. No, that no, would okay. be how just, the Guardian would read that. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I just made No, that. no, it's much more like well, I mean. So it is based on something that happened to her, but there's nothing Me Too in it. It's just very tragic, um, and uh, it's kind of an examination of what it takes to, like, make great art, I suppose. But anyway, so, yeah, Tilda Swinton is in it. She plays the mother of the girl played by her daughter, right? Tilda Swinton's her, daughter is... Her actual daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tilda Swinton's... Something Swinton Henry uh, is her name. I'm I'm terrible now and for forgetting that because uh, I did enjoy this film so much. She's got one uh, daughter is called Honor Swinton Byrne. Yep, that's and, it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. her, yeah. Honor Swinton Byrne. Um... Yeah, so she's the lead in this, um, and she basically plays Joanna Hogg when Joanna Hogg was in uh, film school in the 1980s. She falls in love with a character played by Tom Burke, um, who uh, has, you know, something of a past. I won't spoil anything for you because it's really, like, the way it, it comes at you is really, really good and just lifelike and organic. It was wonderful like that. Um, yeah, and basically... The film starts out, she's trying to make a Ken Loach film, but she's from this super middle-class background. And you kind of get the feeling that it's almost like you can't force it. You know what I mean? You might, like, if you're if you're the, the, whole, the whole shebang of middle slash upper class, you know, trying to lean in and make a Ken Loach film, it might not work for you. You know what I mean? If Unless you're, like, that, like that's kind of the way the film is going. It's like, because her teachers ask her, well, why are you trying to make some a film about something you've never experienced? And she's doing this when she's in film school. Yes, exactly. So it's like a, so it's like a student project film. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and wow. then, but then it kind of, as this story with uh, the character played by Tom Burke builds up, you kind of realize like, oh, this is, this is going to be a thing that happens to you that will make you able to, to make art kind of it's really like it's said in the 80s you would confuse it for a film that was made in the 80s rather than a period piece which is massively to the film's credit amazing soundtrack um i've heard something about the way she's got joanna hogg has something of a mike lee method going for herself which shows in in the way the dialogue works um the scenes as like they progress forward, like they linger on really, really human moments, but everything to move the characters forward and the story forward. I was floored by this, as I'm sure you can tell. It's two hours long, well worth your time. Yeah, it sounds good. I've definitely, yeah. I've looked at it before. Has the sequel not got like Aiden Gillen in it or something? I'm not sure, um, but I'm never watching that if that's the case. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I can get over Aiden Gillen. Um, but uh, I want to watch the sequel now for sure. Apparently people have said it's even better, but... I was floored by this, to be honest. Really, really something else. Do you think she'll eventually make a film about her experience making the souvenir? Spoiler, I believe that's kind of what the second one is. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of what that is. Um, I'm glad we, me and her have the same creative ideas. But I'll tell you what, where this film moved, I was so surprised by that I'm not going to look at anything to do with the article for okay. the second one. I nice. want to know nothing. Um, well, I'm glad I have absolutely no idea what the first one's about, considering yeah, I thought yeah. it was about something completely different. There you nice. go. Um, yeah, yeah. Or maybe your Guardian ass will, will agree with the Guardian. <laughs> and it's like, actually, mm-hmm. Donna gets totally about. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, mm-hmm. that was uh, that's me. But um, of course, we both also watched one other. Wait, thing. wait, I still got one more thing. Oh, you got one more thing. Yes, three, do it, three, baby. Three, three v three. This is um, you went first. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I watched Super Dark Times. I haven't even heard of this. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's got to be a first. Maybe not actually. Cause I, yeah, this was a recommendation that I'd seen a few times on the r slash movie suggestion subreddit. Which had previously turned me on to stuff like The Kid Detective, which I loved. So I thought, fuck it, let's give this a shot. Super Dark Times is like a bunch of teens hanging out. Something goes wrong. They hide the truth until everything inevitably crumbles and they face the consequences. Movie, a la Mean Creek or River's Edge, that type of thing. But uh, or, yeah, this, um, <clears throat> or I, I, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Very similar. Okay. Uh, I'd say it's more similar to, yeah, it's, it's a bit more on the serious side than that. But uh, yeah, this this film really blew me away. As as the title suggests, it's super dark. I'm not going to say too much about it because it is okay. one of those films I'd recommend watching without knowing anything about it. Okay, I'm going to watch it. You've okay, I'll just say two, I'll say two things about it. Like I watched it alone in the dark and I Oof. was... Just, it genuinely scared afterwards. I was like, I don't, do I really need to go to the toilet? <laughs> and secondly... So like you a, pissed yourself. I did. Well, I sprayed all over the walls like a grown-up. And Jeez. secondly... That's quite an image. Yeah, I know, really. Like I was playing the guitar, going like... <laughs> trying to imagine electric guitar, doing Wild Stallions. Right, secondly, a few plot strands were bothering me at the end, so I went on Reddit... And came across like some huge theories about what certain scenes mean, possible character motivations. Again, I can't say too much about that. But it was one of those things where I went, at the end I was kind of like, eh. And I went on Reddit and I was like, fuck, I love this. I love this film. And while I was doing that, I came across a really good theory I hadn't heard before about Daniel Kaluuya's character in uh, Sicario. Oh, nope. Have you, have oh, you heard Sicario. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently he was working for the cartel. Have you heard that theory before? No. It's actually and I know really the car- good. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't, just... I can't remember any plot points that would uh, make sense of that to me. I would He's... rewatch Sicario in the morning, though. I love that movie. I know, I think it's good. He takes Emily Blunt to the bar where she meets the... Oh, that's right, he does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Her. And he takes her, like, to that bar. It's really, really weird. And then he randomly meets that Ted guy, I think. He goes yeah. off and speaks to that tech guy. There's all there's a bunch of stuff about it that like people suggest that his character like sold out Emily Blunt. Yeah, it's worth it's it, worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, am, I have been on that subreddit before. I deleted um, I deleted Reddit off my phone for a while because I kept yes, getting into it's, arguments it's on the on the um, Matt and Shane subreddit. <laughs> Are you on there as well? Oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just kept getting into arguments because I was just like, man, America is shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which so anyway. Like, Super Dark Times, I'd give this a big recommend, but with the caveat, I think this is something I heard uh, Rogan say of all people not that long ago, which is something that I thought about and I did agree with, which is uh, like inviting this level of darkness into your life is probably going to do some damage to your brain. Oh, Jesus. So, do I know, Beware, beware. All right, hold on. Where does this land on this... On- Better or worse in terms of darkness than something like Snowtown. Snowtown is where you're going. I would say there's a there's a similar level of nihilism, but with more restraint, a little more restraint, maybe. Is there like is it is it an entertaining movie? Because I don't find Snowtown yeah, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's much more entertaining than Snowtown. I would say. Okay. Is there any part of it that's funny? 
they capture like the banter of teenagers, like of okay. teenage boys. They capture that a little bit. That's good. Because you know, it my has th- elements you know- of like it's the same way that where like Chronicle starts to go dark. It has that in a way, almost of like starts out there like just normal. Well, I'm intrigued. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna watch this, and uh, I'll uh, catch up with you the next time we do a what right. we've been uh, watching. Yeah, we can we Which, can talk about uh, the theories. Have we dis- have we uh, d- decided uh, that what the next one will be? Well, you suggested uh, what's it called? Crimes of the Future, the, the new future. David David Cronenberg film. Um, now that may change. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Depending on yeah. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the next episode, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't want to. Nobody should watch too much David Cronenberg. Yeah. I think that's that's agreed. Yeah. Um, all right, but we both uh, watched one other thing, which we I'm did. dying to know what you thought of. By the way, three thousand years of. I have I, delib- I deliberately haven't brought it up to you because I'm interested to see. You want to know what think. I thought of three thousand years of bombing? <laughs> Not a fan. No, 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 but it did bomb. Let's just say, first thing oh, first. Oh, yeah, yeah, it did horrible. Uh, 3,000 3, years uh, of longing. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, I want to just want to say 3,000 years of longing, budget $60 million, box office 9.9 million. Ooh. It's a bomb. It's a big, 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 big bomb. Uh, but I mean, that was, he he was basically playing his Fury Road card, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Nick yeah, yeah. Fury Road. There we go. I'll just give a quick plot synopsis go. for people who don't know about Please it. Um, so this is George Miller's follow-up to Fury Road before he uh, heads back to post-apocalyptic Australia for origin story of Charlize Theron's character Furiosa. Which is I just about she... to finish filming. It's going to end. That's right, It's yeah. going to wrap this month and it will be out in 2024. Yeah, that's right. He's a fan of a Jeez. long post-production. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fury Road did a two-year post-production as well. Mm-hmm. So... This is the story of a literature philosophy academic who's in Istanbul for a conference when she discovers a trinket she's bought is in fact the prison of a djinn, mainly uh, like a genie. So to help her get to grips with the situation, the concept of it, because she doesn't want to make wishes because she's an expert in stories and she knows there's no way the wishing story ends well, uh, he tells her the story of the three times he got in prison and almost got, like the three stories of basically people fucking up their wishes because his goal is basically to get out by like so and that's the way we get the logic that only by fully granting three wishes can he return to his homeland and can he get what he mostly desires so over the course of the three stories she falls in love with him and wishes for him to love her in return she takes him back to london then but after seeing the effect the city's heavy radiation from cellular masks um has on him it makes him sick and like it, he appears to be dying she wishes for him to be free then a few years later he comes back to visit her and we learn that he'll do this periodically for the rest of her of uh, her life so that's basically in summary, what happens over the course of the film? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where basically the entirety of the film there is summed up as, yeah, the genie tells three stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I'm all right with that. We can do, delve into the stories if you like. We will. Well, we can a little we, bit. We will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, just that, that, that's getting the summary I out want, of the way. First I thing I wanted to ask you, and then I'll you tell me yours, mm. and then I'll tell you mine, is what was your cinema experience like? Who's going to see this in Barcelona? That's my first oh, question. Oh, my God. Wait till I tell you. So I went to a very late one of this, um, and it was just me and one other guy in the cinema. <laughs> Um, it felt like we were on a date because the film is hyper romantic. It's romance on crack, it this is, film. It really is. And um, then there was one sequence that I got, 
like I got into the quite got into this film periodically, and there was one part of it where I could distinctly hear the other guy snoring. He he fell asleep. Oh no! For the it late so show, was yeah. super late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I should. There, I have no business going to the cinema after nine o'clock. Quite frankly, yeah. Nine o'clock is pushing it. Yeah, Ten absolutely. is right out. But I made it. Um, I watched it. Um, yeah. What was yours like? So this, I mean, I've I've had a few fun experiences in Croatian cinemas, and this was the same. I just picture chickens again. running around. <laughs> it was a bit like that. So I got in. I went into the screening like fifteen minutes before it started, and. Mm-hmm. It was just me. And then a couple came in at the back of the cinema and the lady kept going in and out, like going to buy more popcorn and stuff. And kept, oh, what like, an annoying back, broad. So hater. that was it. Like, so it was immediately they were kind of like, they had made their cell. They're like, this is their sofa or something. They're in their living room. And then when the trailers were on, this other couple comes in and goes up to like almost the back row and the two couples recognize each other and it turns out they're friends and they didn't know that they were both going to be at the screening. So they're immediately like, oh, what are you doing here? Blah, 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 blah. And, they're, and I'm very, very worried. I'm like, oh, shit, this is, they're going to be talking. This is definitely going to be their like living room. They're mm. just in their big cinema hangout. So I was really, I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be awful. Because I've heard it a bit, especially with this, like a film that's for them is in a foreign language. They're reading the subtitles. And often the like audio and they just in general, they're like, fuck it. I don't really care. I'd rather just have a chat. But yeah, yeah. so they are to have a bit of a chat. And then as the trailers are coming to an end, so they, they kind of calm down and they're all calmed down. Just then, right as the film is starting, a dad and like an, a teenage daughter and like maybe a 12 year old son maybe come in and the son is walking in front uh, in they're like in a in a three and he's at the front and he's walking up the steps and because obviously it's super dark and the film is starting so he trips and his popcorn and his coke or whatever just go fucking flying everywhere and he basically lands at my feet and then he sat on the step like not even i don't think he was even crying he just looked broken and at the same time like the film has started and like tilda swinton's going hello I am fucking Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> like she's explaining, <laughs> she's explaining That's the her job. Right. Yeah. She's explaining her what she does, and then like his sister is just comforting him, and his dad is like, "Get up, fucking get off, get off of this, go sit on the chairs." So like I was desperately just trying to pay attention to the star of this film, going like, "What? What did she say? What does she do?" She's because I was like, does, "Is she a mystical being? Does she? Mm. She tells stories. She's a storyologist." A narratologist, what? So I was really struggling to to focus on on what was going on, but then it all calmed down, and we had a nice time. Just the just the eight of us, best of friends. But Good. again, I mean, that was a a showing on a Sunday evening, seven p.m. in Croatia. I was shocked that there were that many people there, to be honest, and that a twelve year old boy was there. He seemed to like it. He probably learned mm. a lot about corpulent ladies. Well. I'd say this to the credit. Well, I mean, this is a George Miller show, and yeah, man, you, you won't see many other films quite like this. Even though, actually, I can think of a couple, but like it, it is a twelve-year-old Croatian boy won't see many movies in his life quite like this. He's, I might be generalizing he, I there. I don't know. I think he'd already seen some stuff. Fair. It's got that sense, but it was more. I, I another thing about it to see like a twelve-year-old there was like. 
I mean, and I was just immediately thinking, like, is this not going to be super boring for him? I just couldn't mm. imagine that he would enjoy this. I enjoyed it. I was kind of shocked how much I enjoyed it because when it started, I was immediately going like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Mm. But once they get into the whole telling stories, and it is a, yes. it's a, it's a, it's a film, it's a story about telling stories and on the nature of stories, and, about and falling as you in said, love about with romance, falling in love, falling in love with stories. Mm. When that all started playing out, I was like, I was shocked how much I was on board. You'd already warned me that a lot of it is in foreign languages. So there are yes. large chunks. There's there's definite parts um, where characters are speaking and I have no idea what they said because I had Croatian subtitles. There's multiple different languages. Uh, so luckily the djinn would, you know, say something in English over the top of like, and that's yeah. why I was stuck in a bottle. But yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought there was too much CGI, to be honest, at times. That was kind of bugging me. But I was able to get past it for, first of all, like, just... You can see the same sort of... He's painting with the same palette as Fury Road, particularly in the stories. Um, yeah. And also, there's one part of it that I loved that I still don't get... And I almost like that they didn't explore it more. It reminded me of like a Salman Rushdie book or something. Shout out Salman Rushdie. Get well soon, brother. Um, you know when the, she's arriving in Istanbul and she starts, that weird fucker comes up to her in the airport. The little midget man. Is that, yeah, so which we think is a djinn? Something well. like that. It's, like, it's another, it's like a, in the, the, the Wikipedia plot synopsis says that she occasionally suffers from bizarre hallucinations of demonic beings but yeah yeah because then there's that scary gym. guy yeah the, the scary, scary guy in the crowd at the lecture who looks yeah. like uh what's but the name he, of Salieri from Amadeus the actor who plays him again <laughs> I can't remember uh, but he's um but but that like tin man style god thing he's yes. also we, we see him later on because he's with the yes. uh Queen of Sheba he's like one of her yeah. people advisors and it's a connection something. that's never really explained yeah, it's like seeing Rawls in the gay bar in The Wire. Yes, which is uh, just a brilliant cut to in The Wire. But um, like, I liked, I liked that things weren't explained. I read the story, um, the short story on which this is based. Uh, by S. Byatt. It, uh, it sticks to it fairly nicely, to be fair. F. Murray Abraham, by the way, that's the yeah, great right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's true, yeah, it does look like F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, so like it sticks fairly close to the story. It like I think you'd agree. This does this. It feels like watching a book or a story. Like it, ju- it feels like a novel. Yeah, it feels like a sort of old school because it is like old school storytelling of like fable type things. Totally. Just, but then it also um, it also feels like when you start dating someone new and you talk about your previous lives, like yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton's character has put her previous relationship into a box. Like she's literally like boxed that off and is like, that was that part of my life. That was that. And I just want to say yeah, nothing. That made, me, that made me cry. Nothing sadder than Tilda Swinton talking about her, how she's like, yeah, we just sort of fast fell out of love at the same time as we see like her turning the pages of the book. And then there's an ultrasound of a child that never yeah. was. And then they put that away, like just the juxtaposition of that of 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 her words. That killed and me. Those images is brutal. 
Yeah, yeah, that absolutely killed me. I, I, I was uh, sobbing in the cinema with that bit. Um, there are similar films with like similar structures out there that I've seen. Um, Tale of Tales is is very good. Uh, Song of the South, that the banned Disney movie. You ever see that? Because uh, it's racist. Um, and there's, but there's just yeah, it's more, it's much more of a sort of a a book thing. This sort of struck, this sort of structure, and I mean. It it like again. It's all about interacting with stories and mythology. Now, when like listen, if you listen to George Miller talking about Fury Road for longer than a minute, because he, he did a lot of press for that, you'll learn that he's a Joseph Campbell nut. And like Campbell's big buzz is about finding meaning through following your bliss and finding meaning in like um, collective mythologies and stories. Here, the Joseph Campbell fanboy is making a movie about falling in love with stories, basically. You know what I mean? It's You can tell this is very close to his heart. And of course it would be if this is the Fury Road, get out of uh, studio funding free card that he's playing, you know? He's he's clearly fairly passionate about this. It was a film he was trying to get made for a long, long time. And this screenplay was written with his daughter. It's her first ever credit, Augusta Gore. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, and there's no greater love that exists than between a father and a daughter. Is that a line from the movie? No, it's from oh. my head. Oh, right. Well, yeah, I love my daughter very much. Thank you for yeah. bringing her up. Yeah. It sounds like my wife is torturing her downstairs, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> she's making her listen to this podcast. I presume she's not. Uh, actually, do you know what? We've put on this podcast in our car before, and my daughter has gone, Papa, Papa, <laughs> when you, you were say, talking. Nicole? A reference to when an old you, school Renault advert. Go ahead. No, no, she was saying "Papa" when you were talking. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, that makes sense. Well, she you know she understands paternity <laughs> test results. Um, I suppose my only my only criticism, which would be odd to lay at its feet, is the occasional abundance of CGI for my liking. To be honest, um, I don't think I don't think they needed it so much. Um, just whenever he moves and it. CGI dust is coming off him. I was like, it's. I found that a little bit distracting, um, particularly when you think of the CGI that was used so sparingly in Fury Road. Whereas, like, there's CGI in almost every single shot, but you bear you don't notice it. Um, whereas when they're back in the past, like when he's telling his stories, the prehistory mm-hmm. stories, that stuff is all just spectacular. Like I'm eating that up. Also, um, so we can talk a little bit about the three stories. Well, but this, I just, yeah, to, to add on to that, like the the stuff that's shot in the past looks great. It's all, it was supposed mm. to be shot in Istanbul. I think more of it was going to be shot in Turkey. It's all on sound stages, wasn't it? Yeah, it's in uh, Australia in the end, just basically mm. due to COVID. And COVID like is almost a character in the film because in the modern days, yeah, that's right. there's, just, yeah. there's tons of people in masks everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TED Talk. It's an interesting and, uh, touch, isn't all it? Around. Yeah, and when she goes back to the UK. And then the masks are kind of like utilized as They're like nice you, masks. Well, I mean also No one's got an shit of, masks. Everyone's got like a like a nice sort of with well, like it's a, a George Miller movie. It. Yeah, there's yeah. nobody no with, one's got like with fucking whatever it's called, yeah, the N90 blue tissue paper ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean they're like they're kind of used as, you know, they make people look mysterious and and, and stuff in it, yeah. which um of course That's why you I would wear use. mine. Yeah, so everybody's like a gin hiding in public, I suppose. Um, so let's see. The first one is King Queen Solomon Sheba. going after the Queen of Sheba with her big hairy legs because she's hairy, part gin. Hairy legs. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, actually, before starting off with that, I would like, yeah. So Tilda Swinton, despite her funny accent, is quite good in this. But um, I think I, I feels like nobody else on earth could have played this, but Idris Elba. He is beyond sexy in this. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Tilda Swinton use the same accent in uh, Snowpiercer? Is this it her? Fe- it felt very similar to me, but that her go-to accent. Yeah, there's a yeah, bit yeah. more teeth in it. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's it. her go-to, like do a character accent. Could be. But yeah, Idris is on form. I thought they were both excellent. Yeah. Do you know the story of like Sodom and Gomorrah uh, when the two angels go into the city to rescue Lot and his family and like all the citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah are such fucking horn dogs that they're like, oh my God, there's angels in town. Let's fucking rape them. I want to fuck those angels so bad. Um, Yeah, I kind of got the story more when I was seeing Idris Elba because I was like, God damn, that's a magic sex machine. Like, and to be fair... Do you consider okay? Well, oh yeah, let's get the stories out of the way. So we got the Queen of Sheba versus <laughs> King Solomon. Skip over that interesting uh, revelation about your relationship <laughs> with religion. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would love to shag an angel for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we got the Queen of Sheba. Um, what's the next? The next one is the two brothers, right? It's mm. uh, the girl called Gul- Gultan, the uh, prostitute lady. Ah, uh, yes, that's a very good one, actually. That's probably my yeah, favorite yeah. of the bunch. It's very sad. Um, very yeah, sad. yeah, so, so she's the, she wishes that this uh, prince would fall in love with her. And then, but yeah, then she gets caught up in games of Game of Thrones style, style mm-hmm. intrigues when, you know, just uh, meets a horrible, horrible end. And the gin advises her. The gin advises her against what she's doing, but uh, yeah, she doesn't. Uh, she pays it no heed. Uh, then the next one is yeah, the two the two brothers, one of whom becomes like a, a alcoholic warlord who kills himself, and then the other who becomes a, a harem lord addicted to big fat ladies. That was an interesting choice, the big fat lady thing. There's Do you a certain- think that any of those are the big fat ladies from Fury Road that are just getting work again? There are quite a lot of Australian actors and actresses in this. Like uh, Anne Charleston is one of the racist neighbors at the end. She's Madge Bishop from Neighbors. She obviously had good neighbor experience, so we decided <laughs> to cast her. But yeah, this, well, and, and in the end of the movie, me. they become good friends, don't they? They do. They do become yeah. good friends, and they're like, "Ooh, he brought a black man over." Ooh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh. Uh, but funny. yeah, they, uh, George Miller seems to use quite a lot of the same people from time to time. So. I haven't delved into the background of these large ladies, but who knows? That's a hard casting call to put out, Mm. to be like, can you bring me the largest ladies you can find? There was one part of that scene where uh, the brother, the one brother is in this, like, is it mink or something? No, sable. Uh, Mm. Like a room that's lined with these, like with the um, furs of these animals. And he's just like lying in a pile of naked fat ladies and he's naked himself. And his brother yeah. comes back from war and knocks on the door and he, he like opens the little hatch in the door and the big fat brother who's with the naked ladies comes out and puts his hand through the through the little window oh, in the yes. door. And it is the wettest hand that any hand or the wettest that any hand has ever been before. Yeah. And I yeah, really yeah. hope that that was like he spilt a bottle of Evian or something on his hand. Well, now here's where I'm going to get super highbrow on you because it's like, so I have you, um, the Italian filmmaker, uh, Pier Paolo Pasolini. Oh, yeah. Did he, I remember, did he not make like, like a thousand and one 
Yeah, yeah, uh, he made a thousand and one Arabian Nights. Arabian Nights. I learned I watched, about I watched it from some Mark that. Cousins, uh, who I, ha- I have about actually it. watched some of it. Yeah, and it, well, what he wanted to explore it's very, it's quite in similar that, to this. Yeah, well, he he wanted to get at the fact that these stories are hella erotic. They're like so full of sex, mm-hmm. and you know, there's loads of gay stuff and pedo stuff and sexy stuff. Um, you know, they, we I, I was watching everything it because is sexy. I'm, I was watching it because I'm highbrow. Yeah, yeah, there we go. But um, anyway, I, like I suppose that's what George Miller is doing with it, is doing with this. He's uh, yeah, just um, undermining tropes of you know, I mean, like taking away the Disney sheen from this kind of storytelling. I suppose because you do there is kind of I don't know, sort of a storybook. It's almost like with stories like this, we tend to like filter them in our minds through like Ladybird children's books and Disney and stuff like that. But you know. People back then were hardcore and, you know, harems and sexiness and fluids. Yeah, it was all pretty dirty is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. It didn't bother me too much. Maybe, I, I don't know what the age rate. No, it didn't bother me was. at all. I thought it was good. I mean, if oh, I could Oh, the hand bothered you. Yeah, if I could have chosen not to see that hand. <laughs> and doesn't the mum kiss the hand or something? I, uh, I like think so. Happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, was de- I started laughing, definitely. I was I was cackling. I think I was laughing at <laughs> quite cinema. a bit of the the fat lady Aram stuff. <laughs> yes, it was funny though. It was supposed to be funny. Like yeah. at one point, one of the large ladies oh, it is supposed to be funny. slips. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, how, yeah, like, yeah, she yeah. That's hilarious. The stone, and that's how he gets out. And then when when the gin comes out, she's like, "Go back." I assume because it was all mine was all with Croatian subtitles. This bit, mm. but she told him to fuck off back to the sea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Go back to the river. And uh, with regards to um, the, uh, I suppose, what can only be... Dis- well, oh, yeah, there's one more story. The story of yes, the lady who, who wishes to be smart and she becomes smart, but too smart. She was and already she- smart, though. She, well, I, I feel like that story was saying, like, look, this lady invented all this stuff before anyone else had done it. Mm. But she wished I don't know, for it was more the mid-19th brains. century. Yeah. And the way she got more brains was she had to sit and read all the books that the djinn brought her. Mm. It wasn't like flicking a switch. You're like, here you go. Now you know everything. It wasn't like uploading it matrix yeah, yeah, style yeah, yeah, exactly. to the brain. It was like, nah, nah, you need to fucking sit here and read them all. So, fast. right. Well, then she, Tilda Swinton makes her wish that the gin would love her. What do you, <laughs> that's kind of an unfair wish, isn't it? Well, I think she'd been leading up to it. Mm. But he seems like a massive horn dog anyway. Like he yes. basically ends up trying to bang whoever lets him out. That's yes. like his go-to signature move. <laughs> um, yeah, which is probably is. why it ends so badly for him most of the time. What did you think of the the what I'll call the addendum section in um, London, and then his subsequent feeling the, which is exactly how it pans out in the story, by the way. I guess like it's trying to make that point about modern technology, modern life, blah blah blah. Yeah. We're all, we're all being blasted by our evil phones and we're disconnected from each other and we're angry and we're frustrated. No time for stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stories are dead, etc. Racist neighbours. Uh, yep, uh, that, <laughs> that's London. That's the London I know. Yes, but then, then she does. Then they, she she makes them go, eat a bit oh, of young man. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and that's right. Go, Ooh, oh, young, young man. man. Young, young man. man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, would you think you'd watch this again? Uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. It's not something that I would immediately go to, but I liked it. I mean, it's very yeah, yeah. beautiful. 
I think it's I'd well like worth, to I think it's well understand what some of the characters were saying. So maybe so <laughs> watching those parts again would be nice. I would watch uh, it again because, I, well, I, I just, I, I, I enjoyed how it made me feel smart. But uh, the, a film, it, it reminded me of a film that I saw years ago. I remembered loving and I'm definitely going to, it, it has made me decide I'm going to go back and watch that. Have you ever seen Tarsum's uh, The Fall? The Fall, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to rewatch that on the strength of this because mm. I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant when I saw it. The only this, one I bit of, pretty good. The only one bit of trivia I wanted to to, to mention because I came across it today, I was really shocked uh, that we hadn't said this before. But Tilda Swinton was in the same class as uh, Lady Di. They were both in the I, same class at school. Princess Diana. The, wow, the the That's curse of mental. Tilda Swinton continues. Yeah, exactly. She's basically re- and she killed the queen. So. Yeah, that's right. She got her wish. That's what she wished for. Uh, you know what? I would wish to bring the queen back forever. Have you ever seen Zombie the wonderful um, Mitchell and Webb sketch about the Diana conspiracy? No. It's absolutely fantastic. So it's just three shady government guys sitting around a table. Uh, you know, and then they go, so we're clear on the plan. Yes. We get a chauffeur drunk, slightly drunk. Uh, and uh, it's just all about how they, they would plan it. But it's just one of the, you know, the way David Mitchell just has the occasional, just very smart history, literate lines in all his sketches and stuff. And the one that follows in, um, in, in that one is, yeah, the, this one lady asks, yeah, we're all clear on the plan. I was just wondering, why are we doing this? Well, because Prince Philip said so, of course. As everybody knows, the secret services of this country are still very much at the beck and call of the royal family. You know, this is top priority. The IRA can do whatever they like this weekend. (laughs) Which is just an excellent line. I'm just saddened to find out that Mitchell and Webb are are spooks working for the royal family and the UK government. Off Off of the backs of this that they're trying to put out to just to get us off the scent of the truth. You think that's what it is? Yeah. So it's I a, think it's a, it's a smoke screen, brother. Mitchell would be a good spook. Yeah. Indeed. The ending have you ever I know the answer is no before I finish. Have you ever read the his dark material books? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they have a similarly like bittersweet ending which is that like you know the two people are in love but they can't quite be together cuz you know he'll get sick. No. But he he comes back every few years which is nice I suppose. And he's I'm very just, good at football. I'm just waiting for her dark materials. Uh, that's that's the version I want to see. Hell I think yeah, yeah it is good that he, that's was my favorite part. Idris Elba was good at football. He got to play yeah. football. Remember, right. remember when he kicked the ball and it went off the lamppost, and the kids went, "Hey, that's amazing!" Whoa, yeah, yeah. yeah. That You're ca- a fucking that, genie, mate. That reminded me um, for a second of you know that old trope that there used to be in movies where. Um, something mad would happen and a black guy would go, damn, like a random black guy on the street. Like, you know, if Superman, the first time Superman appears in the movie Superman, I think there's a black guy that says, I got to get me some of those clothes. <laughs> some, 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 <laughs> that's good, yeah. That I think that's like the 90s version of the person like drinking alcohol and then rubbing their eyes and going like throwing the bottle away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. I gotta get me one of these. One of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember anyway. that. That's like a 1995, like rush hour or something. Exactly, rush hour. It is, t- yeah. It's knee deep in rush hour, that kind of trope. All right. Well, unless something happens, we will be, uh, our, uh, 
our next new things episode will be David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. But next week week's episode is, uh, yeah, a Richard Farnsworth double bill. It is, yeah. Richard Farnsworth, uh, the star of both of these films, uh, The Straight Story and The Natural. It's, for some reason in The Natural, people were looking at Robert Redford's character and mm. thinking that that's what it was all about. But no. We knew it was about Richie Farnsworth. It's about Farnsworth playing the character of some guy. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably that a would baseball player or something. That would ultimately give Brett the Hitman Hart his um, catchphrase. What was his catchphrase again? The best there is, the best there was, and the best is there that, will be. Is that, yeah. I don't remember that. That's I remember it Brett. from the film, but I don't remember it from Brett the Hitman Hart. Were you a wrestling fan? R.I.P. Owen Hart. Never forgotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of Wait a minute, who's that? His uh, brother, Owen. I know, yeah, yeah. I was forgetting. What was him. that a test? I thought you were testing me. No, no, because you said never forget, and I was forgetting. All oh, right, okay. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, remember him? All right, now we're getting. Let's we're getting. Yeah, yeah, bogged, yeah. We're, no, getting we're getting bogged getting down track. in the uh, Hart family here. All right, well, I guess that's time to sign off, uh, folks. As always, uh, I love you, but not as much as you, Andy. I love you. I love you all, but Donica, you hold a special place in my heart. Yes, indeed. And if I right. found a gin. No, I've got no Wait a minute. That's a, that, that's a good way to finish off. What would you do if you found a gin? Uh, well, obviously, I'd bring back Queen Elizabeth II forever. That is that is the that's, right answer. That's up there. That's first and foremost. Uh, I'd quite like to just spend an afternoon. <laughs> like to spend an afternoon go karting with Idris Elba. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to go paintballing with Tilda Swinton. <laughs> That would really do it for me. <laughs> I would, I would, I would do the the platonic uh, male version of what Tilda Swinton does to him. I would go. I wish you were my best friend <laughs> forever, and, and you're he'd not be allowed like, to what? leave. Ah, uh, what? And I would say, and I'll move to the country so you don't have any of those five G yeah, masks. Phones are so not going to melt your face. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. You can just wash my balls when I get old, Jin, because <laughs> yeah. you're immortal. Uh, right. Well, I guess that uh, tells us. <laughs> that sums it up. That sums it all up. Yes, indeed. Bye. Bye. Mr. Lancer, have we shot two or three? I'm on the job. You big nabob. You ain't never had a friend. Never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend. Never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend. <laughs> Oh,